Well, John Bellion, in his song, Stupid Deep, asks some significant questions. He sings, what if who I hope to be was always me? And the love I fought to feel was always free. What if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love? Because the hole inside my heart is stupid deep. The 17th century mathematician, physicist, philosopher, and theologian Blaise Pascal told us that every human being has a God-shaped vacuum in their heart. And Isaiah has been telling us about the many ways that we scurry and try to strive for affirmation and validation to fill that void, that hole in our hearts in ways apart from God. But the truth that God tells us again and again and again through Scripture is that the only solution to fill that void in our heart is Jesus, is right relationship with God. It's the only place we find peace. It's the only place we find wholeness. It's the only thing that truly satisfies. And yet, we continue to convince ourselves that the things of the world, the things that we make with our hands, the things that we can do on our own or our own human relationships might just be enough to meet our needs. Even those of us who are walking with God, following after Jesus, are still... It's, uh, we're still so distracted, so easily convinced that we just need to fixate on the things of the world. But these questions declare a truth for us that is revealed for us. I, I think these questions tie in well to our exploration of Isaiah 42 and 43 today. Uh, in a moment, we'll read Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. You'll find it in, on page 623 in your pew Bibles, and it will be on the screen as well. But these questions, what if who I hoped to be was always me? What if I was actually made on purpose? for relationship with God? And, and the things embedded in me were actually what the Creator intended to be in me. And that by right relationship with Him, as I walk with Him, I will discover what it is that He made me to be as I find myself in Him. What if the love that I've fought for, that I've tried so hard to get the right attention, to get the right validation, to have somebody complete me, what if all along, the love I've been fighting and striving so hard for was always meant for me, was always free? And what if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love instead of receiving the love that was already given to me by the Father? So as we turn to Isaiah 42 and 43, and we read these verses in Isaiah 43 in particular, <clears throat> we're going to hear kind of 
what God wants to anchor us in, this, this truth, this promise, this gospel hope that's embedded even in the words of the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah 43, starting at verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give you Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would help us anchor ourselves in the truth and invitation that you give us in these verses. Lord, we know that there's more to understand uh, that you communicate to us even in the rest of these two chapters, let alone all of Scripture. But we pray that you would help us recognize that despite all we know about ourselves, all our fears, all our regrets, all our sin, all our guilt, you desire to make us whole in you through Jesus. And you have done all that we need. So as we reflect on your word today, we pray that you would anchor us in this truth, grow our faith, and draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in these two chapters, we find a tale of two servants. It's important for us to recognize that this, this idea of God's servant is an important theme throughout Scripture, uh, throughout the prophets, but it's uniquely powerful in Isaiah. And it's also important for us to recognize that when God talks through the prophet about his servant, he's not always talking about the same servant. And so we have a tale of two servants today. The words that God uses aren't distinctly different always as he describes these two servants, but they are distinctly different servants. And so as this passage opens in chapter 42, the part that we didn't read yet, it talks about the second servant that we'll get to in a bit. But then as Isaiah is compelled by the Spirit to continue talking about God's people, we find that he starts describing God's people as this first servant, the consistently disappointing servant. We hear things um, like in verses 18 through 20. Hear you deaf, 
Look, you blind and see. Who is blind but my servant and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me? Blind like the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. This consistently disappointing servant is the people of God. It's identif- it, this is originally, of course, spoken to the people of Israel and Judah. But the truth is that these are things that are still true of us as God's people redeemed through Jesus. That on our own, as we try to find our own way in this world, even as we walk by faith, we do it imperfectly. And we get distracted and we keep trying to find a home here rather than a home in God. And so this consistently disappointing servant is us. It's God's people seeking to follow after him, sometimes not, super, not totally seeking to follow after him, sometimes just wandering in our own wistful way. We can be seeing, but still blind, hearing, but still deaf. We've experienced all these things, but we're not listening and we do not understand. And so Isaiah, and God through Isaiah, describes for us that in our rebellion and wandering, we feel, we experience life in these ways that draw, that cause us to draw conclusions that are not true. It's not what God tells us. But it feels real. And it matches some real experiences that we have. And so in our rebellion and wandering, we feel a couple of things. The first is that we are alone and God is weak. In Isaiah 42, verse 22 It says, but this is a people plundered and looted. All of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They've become plunder with no one to rescue them. They've been made loot with no one to say, send them back. So there's this reality in which this describes the actual experience of God's people in exile. That they were pulled out of their homeland, put in a new place, in their desperation there, it feels like they've been forgotten and no one is even around to say, maybe we should go fight for them and bring them home. And in our own struggles, as we battle our own idols, as we battle through our own sinful inclinations, as we fight through the challenges of living in a broken and sinful world, it's often possible for us to feel like this. That we've just been left alone and we're struggling and things are not going well and we don't know what to do. That no one else even notices. And when we get really weary, we start to come to the conclusion that God is weak. He's either ignoring us, he's left us alone on purpose, or he's just not strong enough to fight the battles that we face in our lives. If God loved us, this would never have happened to me. 
If God were as strong as he says he is, I wouldn't be this broken right now. We suffer the same kinds of things that God's people have always suffered through the centuries as we fight this battle of sin and try to figure out what it means to follow after God in a world that keeps telling us to trust its promises. And then we find that those promises amount to nothing. The world is not faithful. So in our rebellion and our wandering, we feel that we are alone and God is weak. We feel like our situation is hopeless. And at the end of chapter 43, it describes some things that we experience. It makes it clear why we feel this way. It describes our, our problem with, with sin and our history of it as human beings. And starting at verse 22, it says, Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You've not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you, you with demands for incense. Uh, jump down a little bit to verse 26. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together, God says. State the case for your innocence. Your first father sinned. Those I sent to teach you rebelled against me. So I disgraced the dignitaries of your temple. I consigned Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. So God tells us that our sin leads us to destruction and we t when we turn away from him, we experience the weight and brokenness of sin. Sometimes it's the direct result the consequences of our own choices. Sometimes it's the culmination of the human history of sin, brokenness in the world and brokenness in our worldly systems, our human systems. And sometimes it's really the attack of the evil one. There are all kinds of challenges that we face in this world. And when we turn our attention from the Lord and we focus on our circumstances, and what the world has to offer. After we chase it down and try to get hopeful that the, this time the world might meet our needs, and then it leaves us empty-handed, and we feel even worse than we did before. We feel alone. We convince ourselves that God is weak and that our situation is hopeless. But God declares for us this message that we read in chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, that says, I will redeem you. I love you. I am enough for you. I will protect you so that when the waters come and crash up against you, you will not be harmed. If the fire erupts around you, you will not be burned. Now, that doesn't mean that we, suddenly we're going to stop feeling the implications of brokenness in this broken world. But it means that God with us makes us stronger. It means that as we face the challenges and the brokenness in our lives and in the world, 
that there is a hope that goes beyond what we measure in our circumstances. That we, that our home is not in this place and our hope is not that this place will work right. Our hope is that God will bring us to be with him in a place that always works right. And in order to do that, God has promised that he will send another servant. And we read about that one in this passage as well, the the perfectly reliable servant. Scholars debate who these descriptions are really meant to describe. And as we talked about weeks ago, there are ways that these descriptions of this reliable servant could be interpreted by the people thousands of years ago in their contemporary time that they would recognize how God was working through King Hezekiah to meet their needs. But we know at this point in history, as we look back at all that God has done and how the Holy Spirit compelled the New Testament writers to reinterpret what Isaiah said, that we know that this perfectly reliable servant ultimately and most deeply is meant to tell us about the Messiah, the chosen one, Jesus. So the first servant that we looked at, consistently disappointing, that's us. We don't get it right. And we struggle because of that. But there's another servant that God has promised to us, and we know that this servant has already come. He is alive and victorious. He has conquered sin, death, and evil. When Isaiah spoke these words... The people were still waiting for all that to happen. It was anticipatory. But for us, we have the blessing of knowing that Jesus has already come and we can see in him how God worked these things out. But this perfectly reliable servant, these words, these descriptions are meant to tell us about Jesus. So we, chapter 42 opens with this declaration of Jesus. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faith, faithfulness, He will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. God, the maker of all things, the one who stands sovereign in power over all things, declares that he has a servant, that he is the servant, that he himself will come to us 
and he will set all things right. And because we know him, we know some true things that speak directly to correct the error of our emotional response to the brokenness in our world. So the first servant in our brokenness, as we experience the challenges in this broken world, we conclude we're alone, God is weak, and our situation is hopeless. But because of this perfectly reliable servant, we hear truths from God and we experience these truths that tell us what we've concluded was an error. It was based on our circumstances, but not based on the truth that God, who is over all things, has declared for us. The truth is we are not alone. God is with us. In chapter 43, verses 4 and 5, and 6 and 7, I'll just read it all. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. As we feel like we've been pulled into exile so far from the things that we thought should work right in this life, in this world. We feel alone and we feel like God has left us. Why isn't he fixing our problems? We feel alone. We feel like we've been left in exile and to the point where it feels like no one even recognizes that we're in trouble or would try to rescue us. But God says it's not true. He says, I know you and you belong to me. Do not be afraid for I am with you. And I will go to the ends of the earth to bring you back to me. East, west, north, and south, anywhere you could have been pulled to. I will go and find you. And if you come with me, you will be right where you belong. In fact, we don't have a hopeless situation, but our hope is in God alone. It echoes throughout this passage. In chapter 42, verses 8 and 9, God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. The things that you've been hoping for in the world, the things that you've put your hope in, they're not good enough. God says, I alone am the one who is trustworthy and faithful, and I keep my promises, and I have good things for you. Trust me, and trust me alone. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. God tells us that he's going to rescue us and that things as we trust in him are going to be made new and work out. And then we have the privilege of seeing it happen. 
Jesus, the chosen one, actually entered our world, put on flesh, God himself. He is the true Israel. The perfect servant. The reliable one. The one who does all the things that Israel was invited and commanded to do. Jesus alone accomplishes them. We're the consistently disappointing servant. We can't, we can't muster up perfection on our own or righteousness on our own. But Jesus is that for us. In 42 verses 13 through 17, the Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Our God is a mighty warrior. We have not been left alone and God is not weak. He has told us exactly what he will do and he will do it. He will come and he will rescue us. And Jesus has come and he will return. And when he returns, we will experience the fulfillment of all his promises to us. Right now, the world feels dark. And our lives can feel pretty broken. We face overwhelming circumstances. Maybe not all of you in this moment, but most of us, some of the time. But we are not hopeless. Our hope is in God alone. And the beautiful thing that God teaches us is that not only did Jesus come to rescue us, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to minimize that. That's a great and mighty, awesome truth. But he rescued us not by being our example, but being our sacrifice. He took on our problems, our sin, our temptation. He experienced the temptation and he paid for our sin. He laid down his life, the giver of life, the creator of all things, died on the cross to pay for our sin. But he also rose from the dead, conquering all our enemies so that we can always know that everything he said he will do, he will do. And as we trust in him, we become the second servant. We are clothed with him. His righteousness becomes our own. Not because we did it, but because he lives in us and his righteousness belongs to us. It's not ours, it's gifted to us. We didn't muster it up on our own and yet it's how God sees us. And through it all, through all the struggles, all the wandering, all the questions, God reminds us through these questions from this silly song I love so much called Stupid Deep. What, what if who I hope to be was always me? 
What if the love I fought to feel was always free? What if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love? Because the hole inside my heart is stupid deep. I'm so compelled to look for other solutions when the perfect one is right in front of me. I know Jesus and I walk with him and yet I'm still so easily distracted in any given moment to strive for the satisfaction of the world. And even though God knows that's true of us, he says to us these words that are always true. It's always his invitation that we would find, himself, find ourselves in Jesus from our text this morning. But now, despite all that you know about your wandering and your blindness and your deafness, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, you consistently disappointing servant, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people and nations in exchange for you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will go to the ends of the earth to bring you back to me. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The Lord who is over all things made us on purpose and desires relationship with us. He knows our brokenness. He knows that we're idle factories and we just are compelled to love the things of the world and to trust its broken promises. But amid all of that, he says, I still made you on purpose and I love you. I made you for relationship with me and I will do whatever it takes to get your attention. When you hear my voice, listen. When you see me, turn to me. Follow me. Come to me. Because this, right here with me, is where you belong. It's what I made you for. And I alone can do it. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. And this truth is so basic. We remind ourselves of it all the time, but we pray that you would just work it more deeply into our hearts and minds. That you would secure us in this truth, anchor us in it, in you. That we would be able to admit that we are the consistently disappointing servant. We don't have it in us to please you. You love us. You redeem and rescue us. You've bought us back from slavery. 
and made it possible for us to live with you rather than in destruction apart from you. You are our hope. You are faithful. You are enough for us. Lord, we pray that you would give us a hug today, that you would hold us tight with you in this truth. That as we waver and wander in our rebellion and confusion, we would always know that in Jesus we belong to you. And through him we can always find our way back. In Jesus' name, amen.